When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lynn alongside Al Renato, a.k.a. As New York Sports Radio fans know him, the great Al from White Plains, and this is New Report, Old Report. Here on Wednesday, October 16th from 8 to 9 Eastern Time, live on Sports Radio America. If you missed the live show, you can catch the replay all week, also at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or find the show as bonus content by searching for The Bridge Sports Podcast, which you can find by searching for The Bridge Sports Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, as well as at LondonBridge.com. If you want to interact with the show, you can text in a question, comment, or complaint to 929-274-3437. Or if you're brave enough, leave a voicemail with the same, and we'll play what you have to say on air again by calling 929-274-3437. This week, curtains for the Cardinals, lesser hope for the Yankees, and is there a great team in the National Football League? Check your sources. We're off. Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that was a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. The NFL is in full swing. One can argue there's not one great team in the entire league, but we'll get to that. Poor officiating has been a theme for the entire season. We'll get to that. But... For loyal listeners of the program, they know that we have a love for baseball, and fortunately, both of our teams are in champion series play. Unfortunately, for your St. Louis Cardinals, didn't expect to start the show off like this this week. We've been moving the show around, around playoff games, around schedules, shows coming out a little late. Unfortunately, we're only a couple innings away for curtains for the Cardinals, which is not something that I hoped to have to talk about to lead off the show. I know you felt the same way. So if you're football fans, fast forward about 20 minutes. We're going to go on a couple rants about our favorite teams. But everything that I would have to say negative about the Yankees pales in comparison, unfortunately, to what's been going on with the Cardinals, who trail 3-0, are trailing now in Game 4, and potentially by the time this episode ends, it will be the end of their season. You've been saying it all along when talking about the Cardinals – how important it was for them to hit. That's been their Achilles heel. And not only has that happened, the non-hitting part, the pitching part hasn't provided itself to the bargain either. So everything's been going wrong. And here we sit with the Nationals very close to going to the World Series. Thoughts. Take the floor. This is a safe space. Let them have it. Well, Johnny, it it was... First of all, folks, it's great to be with you all again uh, as we have baseball take front and center for at least another show before we dive back into the NFL and, you know, probably the World Series. But the frustrating part as a Cardinal fan is this is a team we watched all year long that underachieved with the bats, was 500 at the All-Star break, and then really went on a run with some great pitching, great bullpen work, and not bust them out bats. This is not a team by any way, shape, or form at their best that can 
even come close to matching up with the likes of you know, the top four or five in the Nats lineup or, or the Dodger lineup or even in the same ballpark with your Yankees or, of course, the incredible Houston Astro lineup really from top to bottom. And even the best guys in this lineup in the middle of the order in terms of power, Goldschmidt, Azuna, these are guys who are averaging 260 and 240 respectively. The leading hitter on the Cardinals for the season was rookie Tommy Edmund at 302. The next highest batting average of regulars was Colt Wong, 285. You can talk to your blue in the face about batting average doesn't count. Well, if you get a hit, that means you're on base. If you get on base, that's how you score. So either you got to have a high end base percentage by walking all the time and a decent batting average, or you got to have a really good batting average. Well, they've got neither. And it's been the story throughout this lineup entire, the entire season. They bust out game five miraculously. In the history of the sport, there has never been a 10-run first inning in all of postseason history. And lo and behold, the hitless wonders, the no-doubles offense at the St. Louis Cardinals, goes out and puts up 10 runs against Mike Fulton, Average and company, who completely shut him down, as did most of the Atlanta staff in the Diaz. And miraculously, they miraculously behind that and Jack Flaherty, they blow Atlanta out of their building 13 to one. And here we are in the NLCS against the upstart Nats again with a terrific lineup and maybe the best big three in the game. Certainly right there with the Astros because their third guy Corbin is probably better than Granke. But the point is here they are against the under slash overachieving Nats, call them what you want who were on the verge of elimination in the wildcard game against the Brewers, rally, come back from 2-1 against the Dodgers, everybody's pick, to go to the World Series, the dominant team in the National League all year long, as the Dodgers spit the bit in Game 5. And here it is, Nats Cardinals. Looks like it's going to be a good series, very competitive during the regular season, and the Cardinals simply are thoroughly and completely dominated, and, embar- and I mean embarrassed, they were embarrassed by Scherzer in game one. Excuse me, by uh, Annabelle Sanchez in game one. And then they were embarrassed by Mad Max Scherzer. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame pitcher. I understand that. But the ball's not even in play. In two games, they may be squared up five or six baseballs. It was embarrassing. And meanwhile, the Cardinals starting pitching was terrific. Nicholas was excellent. Wainwright, gutsy performance, seven and a third, seven and two thirds on, on Saturday in game two. Starting pitching gave up four runs in two games. Cardinals got one, and it was an earned run. There were no hit the first six innings of each of the first two games. The first time it's ever happened to one team in history. Absolutely baffling, inexcusable, pathetic, embarrassing. And the at-bats, the at-bats, they're chasing everything. If it, if it bends, they're chasing. Last night, Steven Strasburg, 12 strikeouts, all on break. How many times you got to see the changeup to know it's coming on three and two? How many times you got to see it? I understand it's an amazing pitch, but I once can you guess the three two is going to be a breaking ball way off out of the strike zone? And these are major leaguers. I understand good pitching always beats good hitting, but can you at least compete? Can you at least put a couple runners on base? Can you at least hit a couple balls hard? I mean nothing, zero. This looked like the big leaguers against the little leaguers. Totally and completely overmatched. I have never been so embarrassed in my life as a Cardinal fan in terms of their performance or lack thereof in this series. They go in last night, 
Big Jack Flaherty on the mound. Their ace, their stuff. A couple of C9 base hits. He makes one mistake. Marcel Azuna, again, playing left field like Stevie Wonder, comes stumbling and sliding in on a ball he clearly should have caught that had kept it into two runs. Instead of one run, instead of the inning explodes. The next thing you know, instead of one nothing, it's four nothing. Two new sets up. Game's over. Four runs. Cardinals can't score for one run. Embarrassing. Again. Same old story. And then tonight. Tonight. Dakota Hudson goes out, gives up rockets early. They still have a chance to get out 2-0, but Tommy Ebner makes a wonderful play. Throw it to my gold rubber Colt Long, who can't even make the play. Can't even catch the ball on a force out. Getting extended, and then the ball always finds you. Let's put Martinez in the lineup for a stick. They do. Little blooper. Him and Wong. I got it. You take it. I don't want it. Oh, it drops. Next thing you know, 7-0. Yes, they rally to 7-4. But the point is you're out of the game before you can even make an impact. Meanwhile, they struck out to start the first inning. Good morning, good afternoon, good night. As Corbin strikes up the side. The strikeouts, they are, it's amazing. They strike out. If you strike out, you must hit home runs. They do not. In this season, this time of the home runs, where everybody's up there and by 10 home runs. Everybody. The Cardinals, two guys, Goldschmidt and Azuna, do they always do? Same, 29-30. Why are they in 40 home runs? Because they're striking out incessantly. Ridiculous numbers. Paul DeYoung, I call him Paul DeBum. All right, 30 home runs, 150 strikeouts in the postseason. Nothing. No home runs. Just ludicrous, unacceptable, unbearable, unwatchable. They have been incredibly embarrassing. As a Cardinal fan, the season goes from an incredible season in terms of their accomplishment, what they achieved in getting here, prepared and accepting a loss to a team that they were better than in terms of the matchup during the regular season. They won both series. They won three out of four in Washington, two out of three in St. Louis down the stretch. Despite those three great pitchers, at least the two great pitchers and one very good pitcher, they beat them. Here they didn't even compete. So to go this far and get swept is bad enough. But to get embarrassed, to look like you don't belong on the same field as the Nats, and I understand the Nats are on. The Nats are on a roll. Things are going good. And you know the deal. In all of sports, you're never as good as you are when you're playing great, and you're never as bad as you are when you're playing bad. It's somewhere in between. And the Nats aren't this great, and the Cardinals aren't this bad. But to play like this is just a total and complete abortion. It is pathetic. It is an embarrassment. And it almost... It almost overcomes everything the Cardinals have accomplished this season. That's how bad it is to watch. It's awful baseball. All the things they did well. They pitched well. The pen was good. They played great defense. Some timely hitting. Not that good. Great base run. In this series specifically, awful offensively. Awful in a couple games. Defensively, starting pitching let him down in two spots. Defense and some bad breaks didn't help. But just the prevent offense is, and there's Munoz. This is a guy they bring off the bench. He literally has the plate discipline of a blind man. He swings at anything round and moving. And here's another perfect example as he strikes under a pitch, literally at the bill of his cap. Just goes down, folding in. This should be, this this should have been a mercy rule. After the first inning, it should have been stopped. Throw in the towel. I throw. I wanted to throw in the towel. As he said, throw the towel. Throw the towel. 
as Apollo Creed was being beaten to a pulp by the Russian ass and lost his life in the ring. This should have been over after the first inning. I can't watch it anymore. Somebody stop this. Please. I'm done. I'm out of here. It's unwatchable. The floor is yours. Oh, uh, that, was, that was one of the best rants I think we've had in, in show history. Unfortunately, it comes at the hands of your team not performing well, but you said it all, as Howard would say. You said it all. And look, we know what Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg bring to the table each game, and we know that they can be dominant, and they could take things over, and, and they could just suck the life out of a game. But first game at home, Annabelle Sanchez, I understand, you still feel good. You're home. And Annabelle Sanchez! It's 106 <laughs> years old! A no-hitter into the eighth. And even still, the game is there. Two runs. There's a chance. I understand a no-hitter going into the eighth inning kind of kills those chances, but the game is within hand. Then you think, all right, we've got Wainwright going game two. He's going to give us everything that he possibly has and more. There's nobody else you would want on the mound to rebound from a game one loss like the CC Sabathia of old for the Yankees. Put the ball in his Incredibly hand. Incredibly gritty and gutty effort takes you into the eighth, one nothing. But you can't score. You can't score. Can't. Score. And now again, you're being no hit again. Mind numbing. Absolutely mind numbing. They're exactly as Denny Green. What I said. Exactly as Denny Green. The late great Denny Green said. They are what I thought they were. The worst postseason offensive team of the group and one of the worst offensive teams in baseball. If you check the numbers this year, now that I've calmed down, and if you look at team batting average, if you look at run score, the Cardinals are at the bottom of the barrel in the National League ahead of only the likes of the Marlins, the Giants, etc. All the playoff and decent teams scored more runs than they did. And the American League, same thing. Only the bottom of the barrel teams scored less runs than the Cardinals. Not a big home run team, even though a lot of double-digit home run guys, because everybody hits more home runs. Strikeouts up the wide off the charts for strikeouts. Low on base percentages, low on base plus slugging. Very few home runs, you know, in terms of real true boppers. You know, they're, they're big guys, you know, Goldschmidt, Nizuna. Uh, you know, 30, 31 to 29, whatever. DeYoung hits 30, but he strikes out, you know, 150 times, 230 batting average. You know, and, and when we were younger, right, you get a 230, you better hit 50. Now 230 and 30 is acceptable. And the ball's not in play. That's the other problem. Where are the quality outs? When the ball's in play, something bad can happen. Nothing bad can happen when you're striking out. It's the same old story. If you put it in play, runners move. Sacrifice. Sacrifice fly. Move a runner with an out. Score a run with an out. The Cardinals are one of the worst teams in baseball at moving runners. One of the lowest averages in the sport with runners in scoring position. These guys, Paul DeYoung left a really a small nation on base this year, if you look at the numbers. But, you know, they love him because he plays an analytical sound shortstop, which is great. He's a much better shortstop than I ever thought he was going to be. But 230 is not acceptable. It's not acceptable. It's in the eighth. 
done nothing in the postseason. He strikes out incessantly, time after time after time. And we get to the real job, Dexter Fowler, who I believe, for the number of at-bats, has the lowest postseason batting average in postseason history this season. Finally benched tonight after an ungodly, awful performance last night. Two hits in the entire postseason. Incessant strikeouts. From you know, If you're going to be that bad a switch hitter, why bother? Why bother? Just hit from whatever supposedly your strong side of the plate is. Because if you're going to suck from both sides, and that's what he does, and he swings and misses so much for having a supposedly high at base percentage. Just incredibly poor baseball, not fundamentally sound, and a team that is its own worst enemy. Their chase rate off the charts. They swing and miss at so many pitches out of the strike zone, and they swing and foul off fastballs that look, at least from our approach, not by me, not by you, but eminently hittable pitches for major league hitters. The pitches that the announcers say had his pitch and missed. That happens to them time after time after time. As we transition from the hideous Cardinals to now, after taking home field in game one with a stunning 7 nothing route of the hotshot Houston Astros, your New York Yankees, Big John, find themselves trailing after Two masterful, eh, not masterful by brother, but good enough, and masterful today by Garrett Cole. And I put the under over on Garrett Cole, folks, at $35 million a year, average annual value for his upcoming contract. I'm going to go seven, by the way, I'm going to put it out there right now, seven years and 200 and, what's seven times 35? Seven years, 245 million. That's the number I'm putting out there for Garrett Cole. Now, as for your Yankees, young fellow, the hitless wonders of the Bronx. The fans throwing crap on the field today, cheering at Bregman being hurt. What's up? What up? What up, Yankee fan? Disrespecting the opponent? Throwing crap on the field? What are we, Philadelphia? All of a sudden? <laughs> Not a great look. I will say, though, what up with cheering Bregman when he got hit and turned out he wasn't hurt, just getting one in the back. I like that. I don't like Alex Bregman, so I like that. Now that he's okay, he's so damn good. You he's know, the, the way that you know you finally have a, a rivalry, and, and you know this, and fans know this everywhere, is when you just find yourself hating players on the team. It didn't happen as much in 2017, but now that we're back, and I'm sure Astros fans feel this way too, several players that you just hate because of how good they are. Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Carlos Correa, Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole. Now, I respect the hell out of the latter two as a former pitcher that never came even a, a breeze as anything close to what they're able to do on the mound and how they're able to just get better as the game goes on. Old school, Nolan Ryan-esque, to use an example for the old Decrepit Houston Astros fans waving those towels, waking up in the morning with sore Turn arms. Bring back the rainbow uniforms. Yeah, they, they should. Where's he in his Where's he in his cabal? It's a Dickie series. Zah. It's a series now 
we, you're, Where's you hate Davis? these guys. Bring them out. They should be there. Now I hate these guys because of how good they are at baseball. And on paper, if you were to ask Yankees fans, how do you expect the series to go? Unbiased opinion. Here are the pitching matchups. Here's the locations, but that doesn't really matter. You would expect this, right? You beat Zach Greinke around. He's not good in the postseason. You, you beat the bullpen. You win 7 nothing. No problem. Tanaka's great. No problem. Great. Happens in Houston. That's even better. You lose to Justin Verlander. You lose to Garrett Cole. Of course you did. But this is what baseball does. You go into a game kind of expecting the worst, assuming that Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole are going to have your number like they have for years to as many teams as they've faced. Halfway through the game, you start seeing flaws and there's opportunities and you start thinking, you know, a couple bounces, a couple hits, we're going to win this baseball game. It's right there. It's there for the taking. And then at the end of the game, you're pissed off because they lost. When before the game, you were kind of like, well, how are you going to beat Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole? That's where we are now as Yankees fans. They had opportunities against Justin Verlander, and they certainly had opportunities, surprisingly enough, against Garrett Cole, who was, just a, who was just a workhorse. Walks. He couldn't find the plate early on. He's a beast. He's, he's unbelievable. He's a beast. You he's have an to get to him early, and they almost they tried to. They get the first two on. For whatever reason, Brett Gardner's batting third in an ALCS playoff game, Al. I'm, I'm sure we all had that at the beginning of the season. So you think... Don't understand the maybe, concept of batting third at all. No. Ever. So you think in that situation, maybe he'll bunt? Why else is he up there? Maybe he'll bunt? No. He swings away, fly out. Edwin Encarnacion, although he did have a hit in the game, has been silent for this series. And then Didi comes up after a Torres walk, and it looks like Garrett Cole, smartly so, wanted nothing to do with Glaber Torres. First pitch he swings. Out. Comes up again later on in the game. Couple guys on. Again after a Torres walk. First pitch he swings. Now, he did hit it to the warning track. The stadium was erupting because they probably think the balls are the old balls, not to blame the balls. To the warning track, out. Make him throw a couple pitches. But again, on paper, you accept this, I guess. But as a fan, it's in my mind, and this is the same thing that, that happens years ago, years past, and you've faced this as well. There's a couple pitchers on the team you need to beat that you know you have to beat them in order to win the series. And that's exactly how you feel here. You have to beat at least one of them once to win this series. And you had a couple chances to do it. And now you think, great, we're going to see them again, and they're going to be most likely in Houston. Now how are you going to beat them a second time around? That's what kills you when you can't get hits against the pitchers that you have to get hits from. So win game four Potentially, we don't know what's going to happen with the weather. That could throw things around. This is going to be a bullpen gonna, game for both teams. Interesting. I don't think they're going to play tomorrow. Don't think they're going to play tomorrow. I don't either. I don't. So then that means Verlander has an earlier shot at you. That means Gary Cole has an earlier shot at you. And then obviously game seven. If, 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 if depends upon how much rest you want to put him on. I would not shift. You know, to me, then you've got your two wins, which means you get to go back home if you're Houston, no matter what if necessary. 
And I'm going to have, I, I want them both on full rest because they've thrown a lot of pitches. Cole threw a lot of pitches today, a lot of effort with the walks and the strikeouts combined. I want him fully ready and raring to go. Uh, I would start if they pitched, which I don't know if they're going to do, or if they play tomorrow, I would probably start mildly uh, you know, and, and go with go with the bullpen after that. If they don't, well, then you have the luxury of, uh, you know, going back to Granky and, you know, you're lined up well for the rest of the series because then you got Granky, then you get another day. Then if you go home, you get another day of rest with the travel day. So advantage right now with today's win jumps squarely into the Astros column. No doubt about it. Um, and look, the last two games, the Yankees haven't hit. Plain and simple. They can't have not. Score. They have can't not. score, can't win. Exactly. You can't Simple blame game. the bullpen. You no can't blame the starting day. pitching. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. What, what I've come to realize, and this isn't breaking any news, is if you look at both teams, the feared hitters for me facing the Houston Astros, Springer leading off. He can easily change the game, first pitch of the game, and we've seen him do it too many times, and he's done it this series. Okay, Jose Altuve, obviously, after him, Bregman. Carlos Correa at the bottom of the order, he's there raring to go, and obviously he gets a walk-off again in an ALCS game, too. Everybody else for Houston, obviously Josh Reddick got a nice hanger today and put it in the second row, but second deck, I should say. They're not exactly feared hitters, or you wouldn't well, mind having them Brantley's beat you. A, Brantley, Brantley's a fair yeah, guy. He's, he's not bad, but I, I, I fear four hitters. I fear four hitters on the team. Four. Okay. Yankees, Curiel, they have three. Curiel drove in 100 runs. Yeah, that's nice. The 300. That's okay. These are, your, these are your supplemental guys. That's nice. They got a rookie at the DH. Is loaded. He's over 300. That's nice. I don't fear those guys yet. Knock on wood. Yankees, they have three feared hitters. And what you could have did today is walk DJ LeMahieu leading off. Walk Aaron Judge batting second. Get Brett Gardner out. Easy enough. Get in when our Edwin Encarnacion out. He's not hitting well. Easy enough. Walk Torres. Load the bases. Who else is coming up? Nobody. Nobody's produced after Torres consistently in the series. So walk those three guys and just keep the line moving. Have somebody else beat you. That's what I think we'll see as the series goes on. They're going to be, well, at least try to be incredibly careful with those guys. And if they're going to keep batting Brett Gardner third... That's no problem. Walk the first two. We're good. We're fine. Maybe get a double play out of it, and we're out of the inning. So in that sense, Houston has several more feared hitters at this point than the Yankees, and obviously two feared starting pitchers that can go seven without even blinking an eye. Verlander in game two, the count was 0-2 or 1-2 before you could even find where the remote is to get the game back on. Incredible what he's able to do, and he just gets better as the game goes on. It's unbelievable what they're able to do. So you have to take advantage of these quote-unquote bullpen games or Zach Granke games and then say a prayer. I mean, 
the bullpen for the Yankees has done its job, sans Adam Adovino, who joked that he could who strike just, out Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth just, would hit one 600 feet off him, this Adam Adovino. No, I'm just kidding. He'd walk he's, Babe Ruth in four pitches because he can't find the damn plate. Put he's that, just a gag. He's you a can't gagger. put him out there. It's a gagger. It's a gagger. Great regular season, throwing that slider nonstop. Big time he can't throw it for a strike. Then when he's got to come in, psh, just a guy who's never going to get it done in a big spot for me. Got to lose for the regular season, too many walks, and that slider flattens out, and next thing you know, you've got souvenirs in the outfield. Never liked him, paying him a ton of money, originally a Cardinal with a double lot, but the, the, the you know, O to start, O to end it, number zero. Just never liked him as a Cardinal, never liked him anywhere else. Just don't like the pitching style. I don't like that pitching style. I don't think it bodes well in big-time spots. And uh, it shows up. It shows up. And it certainly showed up again uh, you know, in this series when he could not get it done in a big spot. Uh, and it, it ruins innings because it's either a home run, which ruins an inning, or he walks a guy and now that changes the entire dynamic of an inning and you're playing catch-up. So that hasn't been, that's been the... The slash on the bullpen, which I thought in game two, having to come in very early when James Paxson was tipping his pitches or God knows what he was doing, didn't have his stuff. Boone went to the, went to the bullpen, maybe a little bit too quick of a hook for Chad Green, as they say, but overall the bullpen's been fine. It's been the bats. They've been overall quiet and cold. And having Stanton on the bench for game two and three, who hurt his quad, of course he did, Actually did a good job in game one, shockingly, hit a home run, did well. He's on the bench. Even having him in the lineup is, makes a pitcher think. So I, I don't know what they're going to be able to do with him. But there hasn't been, and this happens in the postseason, but remember in the regular season there were games where a couple different guys would, as Twitter has for the Yankees hashtag, hashtag next man up. Talkman, Voigt, they're not in. And there's no room for them, but it's been the same guys, and they haven't gotten that spark from the bottom of the lineup from people that have given it to them to this point. All that said, let's assume that the game on Wednesday gets rained out. I'm actually going to game four, so of course it would get rained out and screw those plans up. Still be going. So I'll be there. Let's assume it's Tanaka and Granky, then we'll assume Justin Verlander in game five, maybe game six, Garrett Cole game six. How do you well, think I, this I, series I, I, plays I out heading to Houston? I, I think you're going to see uh, Granky on the mound if it rains. If it doesn't, have they announced the game three, the game four starter? They were supposedly going to do a bullpen game as well. Okay. So both teams are going to have a bullpen Wade Miley, et cetera. Yeah, right. However, if it rains and it gets pushed over to Thursday, uh, then you'll see, I think, Cranky, because I think that'll be full rest for him. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yes, that'll be full rest. And everybody else will be on full rest, you know, with a travel day coming. So I, I think worst case here for the Astros, bullpen tomorrow, Cranky game four, uh, Granky game five, uh, best case scenario for the Astros, rain tomorrow, Granky game five, or Granky game four. 
And then Verlander game five for rest. Would best case scenario for the Yankees then be bullpen game, Granky, so you would push Verlander back and you would have, you either have to beat Verlander or Cole, assuming you can go to Houston up 3-2. That's the big assumption. That's a big assumption. It would be. Play tomorrow. You're gonna win the ball. You're gonna win against the bullpen, which is never really terrible. And then you're gonna go be Greg. Now, on full rest. That's not easy to do both of those things because you know who are you throwing? Bullpen game four, which. The bullpen proved it can go just about right, nine right, innings right, if you take the James Paxton game bullpen out of game four and, and Tanaka game five. Game five. Right. Who's become your biggest postseason Yeah, right. Pitcher, so right, you, right. you would think maybe that's the best scenario, even though Verlander and Cole would be on full rest for six and seven, because if that's not the case, Granke goes game four, Verlander goes game five. While you would be at home, it's still Justin Verlander. Cole is in game six, and then it wouldn't surprise me at all if a game seven happens, you would have Verlander of possibility to come into the game if need be on short rest, which he hasn't been great with. Well, this is the fan for one out or for one inning. You're not doing more than that. Especially, but you know, it, it remains to be seen how much gas is left in the tank uh, if we get to that scenario. But he needs based on what Verlander, Verlander needs rest. He's great. Based upon Verlander's past, I don't see any reason why he would start him on short rest. None. I agree. Best case scenario is you got to win these two home games and put yourself in the same position you were in 2017 and hope you can get one in Houston. Not going to be an easy... No. No. Not going to be an easy road for the Yanks after losing to death. Remember... This is the first game the Astros have won here in the postseason. They did not win here, if memory serves me correct, the last time they played the seven-game series. That's correct? Right. That was a they home field lost. series. They lost all and they came here up 2-0, and all the issues with the Astros went out. They, they, they looked intimidated. They weren't the same team. Well, today they come in here, and they completely shut down the Yankee offense. They pitch well. They get the the appropriate and timely hitting, uh, a knock from Raddick, a knock from Altuve, insurance thereafter, and they really look like a team now that is ready to roll because they come into this spot where they have not performed well in the postseason with all kinds of concerns of how they're going to handle it and the crowd and the pressure, and they handled it just fine. Just fine. That's my biggest concern for the Yankees. Not that they lost because that happens, but the team that could not win here won. Right. And they did it in impressive fashion. And they, Garrett Cole was lights out once the stadium filled up. Because if you notice, at 4 o'clock, nobody was at the game. Which, I know you're not probably going to agree with me on this because your team got the benefit of the doubt playing in an 8 o'clock game. Two best teams no, in Major League Baseball playing at 4 o'clock. What, what's going on? You should on, be man? in the night game. What's going on? You should on? absolutely be in the night game, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. it. Takes away the home field advantage. Nobody's going to be there. They got work. A 3-0 series when you're playing games the same day, the 3-0 series should be during the day. I agree. I, I didn't understand it for the life of me. 
for the, the two best teams in baseball and as much as Major League Baseball, oh, let the boys play and let's be loud and everything. Well, you got your two best teams playing at 4 o'clock Eastern time, 1 o'clock Pacific. Not great. Not great. But we'll see what happens. Fingers crossed. I was shocked, frankly, when I saw the schedule yeah, I, that I the Cardinal that. game was tonight instead of this afternoon. Especially with the way the series went. I, I, I mean, I, I'm sure they can't make that decision right away, but I was surprised they didn't switch. But it, it would have been nice for me to not have to watch that first thing. That's true. That's true. I would have much, I would have much preferred to avoid watching any of that first thing. Unfortunately, that entire 25 minutes of misery just ripped my heart. Ripped my heart out. And it's just hard to watch. So one word or fewer, who wins? Astros, Yankees. No, Astros. Yeah. Astros were my pick yeah. preseason to go to the uh, World Series in a rematch against the Dodgers. So uh, hopefully I will be half right. Hopefully we can make things miserable for Mets fans, and it'll be Nationals, Yankees, and a lose-lose for both. Fingers crossed. We'll see what happens next week. That was our baseball rant, everyone. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Perk up your football ears if you couldn't care less about that, and answer us this. Who's a great team in the National Football League? Find this us year, one. Find us one. Narrow, are we narrowing it down to this year? Week six. Find us a great team in the National Football League. To me, not one has made its way to the mountaintop. Nowhere to be found. There's close. Despite the there's fact close that we ones. Have two undefeated teams. Yeah, right, right. Who haven't played anyone. And there's close ones with the Texans making a run. The Saints have continued to do their thing without Drew Brees, but they don't have Drew Brees, so it's hard to put them there. It's hard to find one great team in the National Football League. Hey, how are the Go-Go Browns look? Everybody's preseason favorite. Oh, boy. (laughs) How's how's everybody's next great team? That must-win game we talked about. You have to win that must-win game. The much ballyhoo, everybody's darling, Cleveland Browns team. I believe they're two and four. It was a bad loss against Seattle. No way to put it. It seemed like they had it in hand. First half, scoring points. They got a lead, a couple touchdowns, and then the gritty, grimy Russell Wilson finds a way. You can make an argument that Russell Wilson, right now, I mean, literally right now, not this season, but this second is the best quarterback in the National Football League. I think he's the MVP at this point with what he has around him, how he's been able to perform. I mean, in that game, in the drive, he leads them for a touchdown. He didn't have the radio in his helmet. It went out. He just, right. called, he just called the place himself. And right. I was jokingly yep. saying, he should just do that the entire game. The offensive coordinator for the Seahawks has been 
There hasn't been one for years. Just call your own plays. Backyard football. That's fine. Look what happened. Touchdown. Just have them do that every game. We don't need an OC. I, I just, it, it, it's very difficult to comprehend in terms of the caliber of play that you see throughout the league, the inability of teams to have any kind of consistency, the quarterback position, which is played nowhere at the level that it has in past years, with the exception of a couple guys. But those couple guys are getting one older and still healthy, the other two guys uh, incredibly old and not playing that well, but healthy. And then obviously Drew Brees not playing at all. So it's frustrating to watch so much mediocrity. We know nothing about San Francisco at 5-0, 6-0, other than the fact that they can defend. But who have they really had to defend? Well, the Go-Go Browns? Well, the Go-Go Browns, you know, that offense is not exactly juggernaut. Despite all that talent, the offensive line has done a great job. They run the ball one game, can't run it the next. Their star quarterback brings them back, scores what might be a winning touchdown. But no, that great defense, that defense that is so valued with that great front line, the linebackers, the, excuse me, the uh, defensive backs, is just going to be a target on the complete shutter right now. Not the case. Not the case. So for certain franchises, everything has gone wrong. For others, like the Niners, like, of all teams, the much maligned Houston squad. The Packers, like Monday Night Football, everything's the, going right. The, the five and one Packers. Everything is going absolutely perfect. And, of course, Seattle is going perfect for them. They have not suffered a lot of injuries. They have not done the Packers turn the ball over a bunch the other night when Wide receivers were deflecting balls up into the air. They were being, they were being intercepted. But they aren't even playing up to their capabilities offensively um, overall. But they have a skill set because you have simply a quarterback for the ages. You have a quarterback that does things which are, are truly remarkable in terms of the way he plays. Um, I don't know how far the Packers can go. You know, the division itself is might be the toughest division in football. Because after win last night, you know, Detroit could have been in first and said they're in last. The Packers are in first, five and one. You've got a, a very, very rough and tumble Detroit and Minnesota teams that are angry. They play in Minnesota especially. And in the or excuse me, uh, Detroit lost the game. They clearly should have won. If not for some brutal back, here we go again. Some brutal NFL officiating, just off calls that just weren't there, and a blatant call that was missed. All went against the visitors, and really put them in dire straits uh, in that football game where they had a chance to win the damn game outright. But it was really taken away from by the, by the officials. Rams. Cowboys, Chiefs, 
should any of those types of, should any that of those teams familiar. should they should we be worried about those teams or is all this going to just even itself out at some point? Well, somebody took, somebody took those three teams as his half of the six pack as all favorites. And lo and behold, not only did those three teams not cover, they didn't even win. You've got to be worried about the Cowboys. They came into New York. Yes, Sam Darnold was back, but they can't score touchdowns. They cannot score any touchdowns. In the red zone, they can't get the ball into the high point area. They wind up settling for field goals. Time after time after time. We're getting stopped on the fourth down. So, yes, I was high on the Cowboys. No, I'm worried about the Cowboys. Very worried about the Cowboys. They are struggling to move the football, to finish drives. Zach Prescott is getting hammered regularly. They need to do a better job of taking care of the quarterback. Do a better job of taking care of the quarterback. Well, the Rams were the team that bit with the Jacksonville Jaguars and made a trade Remarkable. to Jalen Ramsey for Remarkable. two first-rounders, a fourth-rounder. I mean, if you're the Jaguars, you got to be pretty happy about that with the potential to have a quarterback, maybe. Maybe the now, there's not a player to be named later. There's not another player to be named in there, is there? I don't think the whole so. Team? I think it was okay. just uh, a lot. It's a lot. It was a lot. Jalen Ramsey. So they're trying to make something happen and lean on their defense because, because they can't lean on their offense. Without Todd Gurley in the fold, Jared Goff has been putrid. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, now it's offensive line. Now five line of protection. But this is not an offense that is anywhere nearly as productive as I thought it was going to be. Their best running back, of course, is out. But the effect it has overall on the entire team seems to be damning. The quarterback, without the ability to have his star running back to create play action with, results in really an offense that can't get out of its own way because they can't run the ball. And now they struggle to throw the ball. As bad a game as a quarterback can have. I mean, it was Kirk's, it, it, it was, it was, um, it, it was, it was Springs esque. It, it was like the Minnesota quarterback. He, he's all, all of a sudden had a great game. Two in a row. The performance, <laughs> the performance of, of the Rams' offense was just so remarkably bad um, against a, a strong San Francisco defense, yes. But they threw the ball for less than 100 yards. That's hard to do. And they managed to pull it off. And nobody's going to these games in the Coliseum dressed as Ram fans. 70% of the crowd is Niner fans. Why did LA want football so bad? Well, look at the Chargers. It was a Steelers home game, even more so than it might be on Heinz Field. A, a quote-unquote home game for the Chargers. There were more terrible towels than flags thrown on the field, which is something to be said. Unbelievable. L.A. couldn't care less about football for either of its teams, which is surprising because you thought they might embrace the Rams and bring back the olden days. Nope. Both teams. They're on to basketball already. And it's, it's, it's really ugly for the Chargers. 
because they move out of San Diego because their owner's always fighting with the city about a new stadium. They lose out on Vegas. They go instead to the new Los Angeles building, which is going to be empty for them. They stay in the soccer stadium. And the soccer stadium is two-thirds to three-quarters fans of the visiting team. You can't even fill a small building. Small building, which I leave from a single bound. You can't fill a small building for eight NFL games. You, you can't keep giving them football. You got to take it away. I mean, Philip Rivers only has... But they don't care. They don't care. Phil Rivers only has eight children. He can't, he can't help fill the stands. <laughs> they can all come. It's not going to make a difference if it's just his kids in the stands and the rest are Steelers fans. As we wrap up the show, one last note of insult to injury for the St. Louis Cardinals. Base is loaded. Down 7-4. Two outs. Matt Carpenter comes in to pinch hit to play the hero once more for St. Louis. Ground out to second. It's been serious. Roll it over. Roll, roll over Matt. Pull everything. Same old Matt. Pull everything. Guy went from a hitter who was foul line to foul line, Mr. Doubles, to a guy who said, I'm going to hit more home runs. And all he does is strike out and pull ground balls to second base. Yes, he had the big home run. Uh, to left center. Agreed in the end of the regular season against the Cubs. But still, still, he's done nothing in this postseason. And he is, by the way, Cardinal fans, the two of you listening, $20 million a year for Matt Carpenter. What the hell do you do with him next year? Send him an extension. What do you do with this guy? He's mediocre defensively. He hit 220 this year. Who is going to take that contract? You have to pay half that contract for somebody to take to trade or to yeah. take. You have to pay literally half the money, which I would do. Which I would do if I could sign Mike Mustakis at a reasonable number, ten, twelve million uh, a year for two years, and dump Carpenter, where somebody picks up half his salary. Basically, that means what? I got a twenty million dollar player. That's good enough. It's good enough. I'll deal with that. Because they need left-handed pop so bad. And they just don't have it anywhere in this line. As evidenced, <laughs> I shouldn't say, as evidenced by this series, they don't have right-handed pop in this <laughs> series either. Okay? Then nothing is, is, is being squared. A blooper here, a couple of knocks here, a couple of walks. Okay, they managed four runs. But again, opportunities to Driving runs with men on base? Nope, no shot. No big hits in this entire series. Never had a big hit in this series. Ever. Well, speaking of left-handed pop, to add really quick, Aaron Boone asked after the game, why is Brett Gardner batting third? And he said, to space out our lefties. Al, you want to take a guess how many left-handed pitchers the Houston Astros have in their entire pitching staff in the ALCS? Zero! 
What are you spacing your lefties out for? For who? For the guy? For Howie Carpenter writing down the scorecard? Wade Miley's not in the postseason roster? They have zero. They didn't bring any. Wow. On the roster for this series? For this series. They're all right-handed pitchers. So you're spacing them out. So Howie Carpin doesn't just have to write LLL or RRR. He can mix and match his L and R's and S's. Makes no sense. And for the Bronx Zoo, as you mentioned, throwing shit out of the field and yelling things. It's the ninth inning. You need a spark, and you could hear a pin drop for the entire inning. Will you you make some noise? Well, that's the New Yankee State. That's how it always is. If they're down, they're out. It's incredible. They're loud when things are going great. You know, it's a great place to play when things are going all right. When you get them out of the game, you can cruise. And Garrett Cole flipped the switch in the last couple innings. Nary a peep, except for the Torres home run, which didn't mean anything. Just sucks the life right out of you for the entire game. Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander. Anyway, Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Go Yankees. Folks, hopefully next week uh, we will be World Series mode. I doubt it's going to be either one of our favorite teams. Uh, it's certainly not going to be my Cardinals. Big John's Yanks look for uh, a game four in the stadium on Thursday. Until next time, for the big man, John Tiny Lund, I am Al Renato, a.k.a. Al from White Plains. Take care and have a great sports week. We'll be back next Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.